This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Today's episode is brought to you by TeePublic, and the folks over at TeePublic have once again decided to offer us a special for our listeners. For, oh, I thought it was for us. <laughs> well, too, true, if we wanted to, we could get this. And this is for the five different seasons of Animaniacs. They're going to be putting five different Animaniac shirts on sale. This week's selected shirt is a Pinky and the Brain shirt mashed up with Doctor Who. Perfect. And the design is called, Gee, Doctor, what are we going to do tonight? Parentheses, classic. Because, <laughs> because in this design, both Pinky and the Brain are dressed up as classic doctors the fourth and fifth doctor from doctor who of course and and it really looks fantastic because um well i don't know it just pinky with his scarf and everything and um yeah and of course the brain just looks grumpy as and you the got the doctor. tardis right there too, and the so. tardis behind him yeah uh it's a fantastic design and it is on, it is on sale it's perfect for any Pinky in the Brain, Animaniacs, or Doctor Who fan that you can think of. There's many different designs, mm-hmm. many different options, and you can check them all out by simply going to tpublic.animaniacast.com and uh, see that design and other designs as well. So there we go. All right. And we thank you very much, T Public, for your support. <laughs> And welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of the Animaniacast. Okay, this is scary. See, one time, Randy Beeman was asleep, and he heard a scratch, scratch, scratch on the window. And he woke up, and nothing was there. So the next night, he heard a scratch, scratch, scratch on the floor. And he woke up, and there was nothing there. And so the next night, he heard scratch, scratch, scratch on his bed. And he woke up, and you know what it was? His mom's Lee Press-On nails had come alive, and they were after Randy Beeman. Ah! Okay, bye. And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast dedicated to the animated series, The Animaniacs. Each and every episode, we talk about the show and discuss cultural references and gags and all that. But today is a special episode because we are interviewing none other than Colin Wells, who is the voice of Colin from uh, the Randy Beeman segments Ooh. of uh, Animaniacs. And uh, it really was a fantastic interview, and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. He talks about a bunch of different things going on with, uh, with uh, not only with Animaniacs, but his service in the Army, and uh, just growing up with comedians, and even some background about you know how certain characters came to be as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, stay tuned and uh, listen, to the, listen to it. I think you'll enjoy it. Anything you guys wanted to say about Colin or anything, guys? It's it's good. You should listen to it. <laughs> I mean, you're already listening. You should continue to listen. Good. <laughs> and Kelly? Well, he met Steven Spielberg. It, he, Spoilers. He did meet Steven Spielberg, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Spoilers, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> More Doctor Who stuff. Okay. So, I guess without further ado, let's go ahead and go straight to our interview with Colin. Okay, well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, with our first special guest here at the Animaniacast. Oh. 
We are very excited to welcome none other than, well, some of you might know him from perhaps the armed services. Mm-hmm. Most of you know him from the, the Animaniacs, of course, as the Randy Beeman kid, a.k.a. Colin. It's Colin Wells. Woohoo! It's me. Hey, everybody. And k by. <laughs> that was great. Oh, yeah. He read. Yeah, oh, he just. You. That was good. That was good. That's all I had. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, um, we uh, thought. Thank this... you so much. And if you don't know me from my armed forces career, you know you can. Uh, you should be checking that out because you should follow everything I've ever done in the armed forces. You should know. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Come on, people. <laughs> that's where. That's where it's at. Well, we'll get we'll get into that and in, in, in everything. But like I said, thank you uh, once again, Colin, for being here. This was a a, a big treat for us uh, to have you on. Um, I I really think we should just start off. How the heck did you get started on a cartoon show called Animaniacs? First of all, okay. Well, it's um, I'd like to say that it was because of my raw nine year old talent, <laughs> but uh, I, it was more or less up around that business and uh my mom was a writer for tiny tunes adventures for a long time and um got tapped to do animaniacs and basically when uh, i was growing up i had friends who would you know come to my mom and tell stories about these people who she never saw but they would basically do the most fantastic things that you know she ever heard in their life and of course coming from a kid it was always very fun and and you know kind of eccentric and out there so um yeah she just created this character who came out and told fantastic stories and ran into his house like it was no big deal and he just went about his day and fortunately enough you know being her son i got tapped to do the character so that was pretty much (laughs) That's pretty much where it was. I had done Cheers twice in Saturday Night Live, and I'd done a lot of stage. So I, I was, you know, in in that business a little bit. So it was a natural transition. Yeah, okay. So nice. your mother, by the way, just so, so everyone knows, is uh, Deanna Oliver, correct? That's right. I should say my mother is Deanna Oliver. We're still waiting to hear back if that's true or not. But as far as <laughs> right now, I'm still calling her my mother. Allegedly. Mom. Allegedly. <laughs> She was the one that was around the most and said, call me mom, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, we were pretty much the spitting image of one another um, physically. Mentally, she's got me beat. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, I know you have a very important question for Colin. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I want to know, when you were doing Animaniacs, <clears throat> Did you get to meet Steven Spielberg? And if so, what was he like? I uh, yes, I um, I'll send you guys a picture. I have a picture <gasps> of me with Steven Spielberg, and uh, yeah, I got to meet him a couple times actually. Um, my mom also wrote the film Casper. Um, oh wow! So he he actually tagged her for that, and um, her and her partner Sherry Stoner, who also wrote on Animaniacs and was the voice of Slappy the Squirrel, and uh, so um. Yeah, I met Steven Spielberg at um, the first time was the was a party. I can't remember what it was exactly for, but it was a party on the back lot at Warner Brothers. And um, my mom made me wear a I wore like a silk shirt and a white um, like blazer. I was way overdressed. Anyway, I'll <laughs> never forget it. Everybody else is wearing you know t-shirts, jeans, and stuff. But um, yeah, that's the first time I met him. And then I actually got to go to the premiere of Jurassic Park. Oh! And yeah, and that was, I'll tell you, that was the first date I ever went on. I brought a girl. Oh. And I, yeah, I brought a girl to the, to the premiere of Jurassic Park. 
Did you and marry I was, her? I didn't. No, no. And I'll tell you if why. If I had a guy take me to the premier Jurassic Park, I would have married him. I, I, maybe you would have, but see, I put my arm around her when she was scared, and my arm sweat so much <laughs> that her hair was completely crushed oh, over no. by the time the movie was over. And um, yeah, we had a Facebook exchange years later, and um, I think she still remembered because she wasn't that nice to me. So. <laughs> Yes, Kelly is, uh, I think obsessed might be too strong of a word, but she's obsessed with Steven Spielberg. Uh, right. With well, a, that's a good obsession. That's a healthy obsession. Yeah. I, I like to think so. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> He's a great man. Great films. Wonderful yeah. person. Humanitarian. Uh, just always down to earth when I met him. I you never know. hear anything bad about him unless you're listening to Shia LaBeouf or Elizabeth Banks. Right. That, that's right. <laughs> Also, you know, if you say anything bad about him, you're immediately struck down by a DreamWorks satellite. So. That, yeah, that's what I try to tell people. You don't speak <laughs> ill of Spielberg no, in Hollywood. you don't speak ill of Spielberg, no. <laughs> this afternoon, I, I went and watched uh, one of your appearances on Cheers. And uh-huh. and how did that how did that exactly happen? Um, again, I'd like to say it was my raw talent. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, like... Growing up like I did, I I was fortunate enough to grow in, up in the Groundlings Theater. Um, my mother was a cast member briefly before becoming the premier director of the theater and um, has directed my whole life. And so basically through her improv and through her writing, she's met amazing people, which is in turn um, rubbed off on me and given me some amazing opportunities and so one of those was being um, – we've always been very close with Bill and Sherry Steinkellner, who are the executive producers of Cheers and helped um, create it and everything and just are amazing people in general. And, and um, you know, I was just very quick to pick things up and, you know, they didn't have to audition me or anything. They could just kind of throw me out there and I was able to do it because I knew everybody already. I was comfortable. And so um, – yeah, they just had this little part for a kid, and I just got it. I it was it's that simple. Yeah, I saw the scene. It was Ted Danson and Christy Alley kissing in an elevator, and you just kind of watching them. <laughs> <laughs> watching them. I had no front teeth, and um, I got five dollars out of the deal. That's actually what Paramount paid me. <laughs> five dollars. No, um, just no, kidding. <laughs> but I had a trailer. I got to get a trailer. I remember that was pretty cool. Oh. I was a kid, and uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Hi. Hey, kid. What floor are you going to? The penthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Look, here's five bucks here. Walk up, with But it's forty floors. Yeah, you're young. Go on. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, you said you you were on Saturday Night Live. What, where, how exactly did that go down? Just okay. So if you look up a, a short film called Dave's Party, it was kind of a digital short before digital shorts. Uh-huh. Um, it's called Dave's Party SNL. I play Dave, and uh, it, Phil Hartman did my voice. And it's essentially um, it's kids walking around like at a party, but they have adult problems. Oh, and adult, the, the cast of Saturday Night Live does their voices, and it's hilarious. That sounds vaguely familiar. I watched Saturday. Yeah. I watched Saturday Night Live way earlier than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I, I will definitely check that out as well and put that into the uh, the show notes if if possible. I know that, that you know they have a lot of those old sketches and stuff online. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, possible, it's put one that of in. the best. I mean, Phil Hartman is a class act. Oh one gosh. Of the great- Greatest ever. So, yeah, it was just an absolute honor to hear his voice coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Dave, excuse me, Dave, well, over here, buddy. Bob. Uh. <laughs> Bob doesn't know that Linda's going to be here later. Are you ready to rock? Well, I'm a little underdressed, but you know me. Uh, well, kind of country club for a lady killer, but that's okay. <laughs> Enjoy. Go Mingo. You don't push, okay? <laughs> Mingo. <laughs> I, I wanted to do it. I, I liked doing it. I liked being an actor a lot. I'll tell you exactly and uh, why I stopped doing it was I don't know if you remember a little um, movie called A Cop and a Half with mm. um I don't know I don't even remember who was in it. Maybe uh, Tom it was, Selleck. Tom's yeah. It was Tom. Yeah. Tom Selleck. And a little black kid, right? Yes. Uh-huh. It was, yeah. was, yeah, was it Tom Selleck? I, I, I honestly don't know if it was Burt Reynolds or Tom Selleck. It was one of them, but I know exactly Hello. the title. Yes. Anyway, I walked into audition. That was my first, like, real audition. That was the first part I wasn't handed. And I walked in there, and um, it's going to sound really strange coming from this whitewashed guy, but I was the token white guy they were auditioning. They <laughs> um, auditioned. I was a, just a, a bunch of black kids and myself. I was clearly not meant to be there. I don't know how I got this audition at all. And I, I just remember feeling so uncomfortable uh, that I just never, I just, that turned me off the whole thing and I never acted again. Wow. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that weird? I just, I never wanted to be on camera again. I, I was able to do the voices on Animaniacs, which I thought was amazing because I didn't have to like show myself. Right. Um, well, yeah, it was just, uh, audition. The audition process really just was what turned me off of it. Now, when you were were recording on Animaniacs, was that all in how how did that go? Was that multiple days? Did you record multiple Randy Beeman segments in a day, or was or did you just come back? Like, what do we have? Um, yeah, I came back several times. Uh, my mom would write them, you know, as they needed, and I would come back and record them, you know, four or five in a day. I think. Hmm. Um, I would just get to leave school and go to the recording studio, <laughs> put headphones on, watch my character come out of the house, and, you know, they'd say, here you go, go do this, and I'd read it back, and they always had donuts for me. It was the best. It sounds like the best. <laughs> did you have it to? Was. Did you have to match his mouth, or did they redraw it after you did At your At first, they would, do, they would redraw it after I would say it, and then as I got, as it what the show progressed, I think... I did a couple where I mouthed along with him. Okay. And then I mouthed along with my character. I did like um, a Chicken Boo episode where I just played a kid um, on Hello Holidays. It was like a Christmas episode, Christmas uh, video, straight to video. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember just mouthing that. That was a lot of fun getting to work with Chicken Boo. Really, really good dude, Chicken Boo. Don't make me sit on a chicken. See, there's no reason to be afraid of jolly old St. Nick. Jolly old Saint Chick. <laughs> he is a chicken. Well, 
your your mother is the creator of Chicken Boo as well. I think we should mention because that's true. Yeah, <laughs> she has a healthy obsession with chickens and chick- Chicken Spielberg. If you've heard of Chicken Spielberg, <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, no. Um, and yeah, she also um, created uh, the Good Pigeons. Oh, the Good Feathers. Uh, good Feathers. Excuse me. Yeah. Good. I just got the name wrong. You better edit that out. Um, uh, Yeah, but she created them, I can tell you. Um, We had this house in Sherman Oaks. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I know you have questions and stuff. But um, uh, she created these the pigeons basically because we had a group of pigeons that lived in our front yard on on the street Matillaha in Sherman Oaks. Um, One really fat pigeon and a... A, you know, a group of skinny pigeons, and they all just kind of seemed to do what the fat pigeon wanted. And <laughs> so my mom just would watch them as she played with our dog, Debbie, and one day just created these amazing characters who are so iconic now. So that's that's kind of one of the cool things about seeing that process is where <laughs> these ideas come from, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. God pigeon. Yes, the God Pigeon is one of our the God Pigeon is one of our favorite kind of uh, characters. He might be one of our favorite uh, Good Feathers, perhaps. He's just such yeah, a yeah. <laughs> he won the poll. We did a poll on it. And... Oh yeah, he was the. That's right. We did do a poll on which Good Feather <laughs> is the best, and the God Pigeon won. So everyone did bow down to the God Pigeon. <laughs> that's right, as it should be, because you can take whatever he says and make it your own. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Basically, says whatever you need to hear at that moment. Right. <laughs> It's all knowing and all powerful. <laughs> was was the character Colin named after you, Colin? <laughs> oh, uh, no, actually, um, it's named after uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, no, yeah, um, it was before Colin Farrell was famous or anything. My mom and him were just kind of friendly. He would uh, come around and you know do all do odd things around the house, and so she thought, you know, it's a good guy. Let's give him a character. <laughs> He's completely serious, so please update the Animaniacs wiki right now, people. Please update the wiki accordingly. Thank you. And it's true that my mother did wear a, a bathing suit full of bees one time. That's on her Wikipedia. Oh, really? That's not true at all, actually. Okay. So, how many years were you recording, like, the Animaniacs? I mean, how many, was it, I know we are on, it was on for five seasons, how did mm-hmm. how did that exactly work? Like, uh, you know, did you record how like I'm just curious about the the scheduling, like how much ahead of recording the the voice uh, would it would it be before you would actually see it on TV? Uh, and uh, and did your f- friends ever like did your friends know about this? And what was their reaction to this about seeing uh, their friends on their friend on TV? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um I wish that I had been more perceptive of that, but I gotta give I gotta give you I gotta give the Warner Brothers and everyone who worked on that credit because me being a child, um, they could have made it very work centric and very you know get here do what you have to do focus let's do this. Um, when I look back on those times, like I, I I can't even tell you. I think I did it for three years. Um, I don't think they were in the first. I was in the first season. And um, do you guys know if I was yes. in the first season? There's, yeah. there's, there's quite a few episodes in the first season. It, oh, okay, because I don't even remember. And um, even I, like I was this... so young. I was like eight years old. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the the uh, the chicken boo one is in the first season. The uh, yes, the big Colin episode is. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, just um. As far as like uh getting prepared and everything, it was never anything I would get ahead of time. Really, it was just um. I would get there. They'd give me about an hour to read through the the um, script, and I'd go over it with Andrea Romano, who was the mm-hmm. voice director, mm-hmm. and um. She would just go over it with Ruger was there because he's at everything. He's in, you guys know Tom Ruger. Oh, he's, we know um, we don't know him personally. He does follow us right, on Twitter. But, <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. He's uh so hands on on every aspect of that show. They all were, and um, so yeah, they would just kind of work with me, and we would just run through it. It was very natural and fun, and uh, it was it never felt like work ever. From so, what I've I've heard, everyone enjoyed. Uh, the filming or not, well, I guess recording Animaniacs. I mean, I've, I've talked to Rob Paulson and interviewed him and everyone just seems to have had the best time on that show. Yeah. I wish that I, um, I, I was, I was at that point in my age where I have good memories, but I don't remember it as vividly as I would like. Um, but I remember, um, Rob Paulson. I remember all those guys, Tress McNeil, um, being just, very nice and just always taking very good care of everybody. It was like a, a family. It was it's really nice. Um, but as far as like uh, the specifics of the job, like I said, I mean it was just something uh, I got to do as a kid, and I didn't, I don't really remember to be honest. And then um, my friends, knowing what I did, uh, they kind of knew. But I mean, I grew up in L.A. They could care less, <laughs> you know. Uh, I went to school with Kirsten Dunst and like, you know, the, the, um, what are the, the twins from full house, the Olsen twins. Yes. So, you know, it's like, you know, they had, they had better, bigger fish to fry than Randy <laughs> Beeman, but, uh, yeah, uh, my friends and, you know, you know, with all the fame that came from doing that character, I it was nice to have friends who were just grounded. And mm. down to earth, you know what I mean? Yeah, that 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 is good. Um, That's a, I ho- I didn't hear any laughter after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just like yeah. There's no fame. Like there was no fame whatsoever. There's no fame. This is as, you guys are as famous as I'll ever be. So I'm so grateful. This is, <laughs> there was no fame when I was doing it. <laughs> Well, it's definitely, you know, I mean, now there's definitely a fan base that grows and grows each year with mm-hmm. Animaniacs. It's it's really yeah. a show that has not, uh, you know, ever really gone away. And especially now with Netflix and now there's kids rediscovering it with their parents. And, uh, you know, it's it's such a funny thing. These <laughs> these Randy Beeman segments, they're the perfect kind of filler. Mm-hmm. You know, right. when when yeah. an ep- when an episode is short, it's like you, you're so many different ways to fill these episodes uh, with good idea, bad ideas, with with uh, with mime time yeah. and and everything. But mm-hmm. but usually the Randy Beeman ones are always just so funny because it's just you never know what that kid is going to say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like with mime so time, random. you always know what you're going to get. Like it's yes. pretty much right. the same every time. <laughs> but. <laughs> Is there a particular segment that uh, that you either a remember recording that was fun, or maybe just one that you've seen and said, "Oh my gosh, that's my favorite one." What, what's your favorite Randy Beeman segment? Uh, 
Well, I'll tell you, visually, I liked when uh, Colin was dressed as Batman. That was, <laughs> like, a big deal for me. And um, the one that always made me laugh the hardest was when he would – when the um, Randy Beaverman had a dream that he was eating a giant marshmallow, and he woke up one day, and his pillow was gone. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite one, too. Yeah, it's, like, one of the first ones, I think, so too. One time, okay, see, one time Randy Beeman's mom had a dream that she ate a big marshmallow, and it was really good, and she and when she woke up, her pillow was gone because she ate it. Okay, bye. Simple thing. I've always been a Mitch Hedberg comedy bang-bang, like, simple, dry, kind of nice. silly humor like that, and I, I don't know, that one really just always made me laugh. Lee Press on Nails is always funny. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed, like, when I was a kid, I remember I really enjoyed how he would come out, out different every time, you know, ice cream cone falling or in a towel or <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't even know that they had censored one of my Randy Beeman's, the one where I guess I had to pee really bad. And I was kind of, I say I, because they modeled, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of, you know, grabbing at his wiener or whatever. Uh-huh. And, and I guess... They censored that, but you ha- on the DVD you can watch the uncensored version or something. I'm oh. not sure. Do you guys know about that? I'm, I'm not familiar with that. No, we I haven't got to... to this episode yet. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll have to check. I'm, I'm pushing boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about the um, the the new discussion about Animaniacs being rebooted? Yes. Any? any... Yes. What do you, Let's what do you, talk about that. Yes. What if, what what what's the word on the street there, Colin? What do you what are you hearing? Because this has been hitting the rumor, uh, you know, rumors on the internet. We need answers, Colin. You have. I been. know. Okay, I'll give you the answers. <laughs> the, uh, everybody I speak to, it, it would be willing and ready to do it. Um, I am still close with all the writers on that show. My mom is still actively writing for many cartoons. Um, all of the, I'm sure you guys know that most of them were united for a show called 7D. Yes. Um, it was a Disney show, so they all have been, you know, not all, but several of them have worked together recently. Um, Deanna Oliver, Sherry Stoner, Tom, Tom Ruger. Um, See, Paul, to, uh, Paul Rugg was in there, I think. I did, Paul Rudd, Paul Dini did some, like, uh, consultation work. Um, so, like, you know, it's just they're there. They're ready. They're working in the cartoon business. Um and I mean, has there ever been a better time for Animaniacs to come back? I mean, like with the, what's going on in pop culture, with from the Kardashians to Trump. I mean, it's like perfect timing. It would be amazingly funny. Yeah. Uh, they could do it so easily. They could have them locked in the tower for twenty years or whatever, <laughs> you know. And they come out, you know. There's just so many great things they could do. And um, as far as I know, everybody that Everybody I've spoken to would be willing to do it. It just has. It just. It's all about Netflix or picking it up. Yeah, from what from what I've been able to to gather just from the internet is that if it if it was discussed, it was discussed at a at a meeting that um did not involve Tom Ruger and and stuff. It might have been Steven Spielberg and just some and some Warner Brother executives, perhaps. Kind of like saying, is this the right time and everything? And then hopefully moving forward, because like you said, everyone that, you know, I've seen is is very willing to to get going on it. Yeah, I I mean, uh, there's no reason not to. Uh, Everybody uh, is still working in the business, you know? Yeah. Um, It's not like you'd have to pull Rob Paulson out of retirement. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, you know, get Tress McNeil to, you know, I swore I'd never do it again. You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, like you said, um, it just takes the right people talking about it at the right time. Um, with Netflix, there's, there's such a demand for content, not Netflix per se, but just the way yeah. TV is now in general. There's such a high demand for content, and Animaniacs is just full of content. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I just hope it happens. It'd be so fun. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Nathan Ruger is working on uh, on the Warner Brothers lot right now on, on not on an unrelated thing, not Animaniacs related. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. But I, some people were mentioning on Twitter about how you know it should be rebooted, and I said, and I, I basically put out a tweet saying Warner Brothers needs to get in contact with the following people, and I. Yeah. Should, do, you know, put a little at symbol for as many uh, actors yeah. and writers as I could in one message. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was Nathan Ruger. And somebody said, well, do you really think Nathan should be in the show? Because his voice, I mean, can't be pitched. And I you said, no, so much, you but, can. Yeah. I said, voice pitching has gone a long way. You could pitch his voice up more. And <laughs> and I said, plus, or you could put him on the creative team and everything, too, and have him as one of the writers. And yeah. uh, Tom Ruger responded that what he think he'd really like to see would be a 28 year old Skippy still living with his aunt yeah, and, and not just trying to get him out. Yeah. Like, trying to him out. <laughs> <laughs> That's trying what to... we talked about when I would talked about Randy Beeman is like the next one, Colin could be totally grown yeah, and it could just be a Casey one time Randy Beeman saved my life in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Well, and then, he well... just walks back in very solemn, very <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of shaking a little bit. Oh well, that's a perfect segue there, Colin. To to what what happened after uh, your life with Animaniacs and with acting and everything? Uh, well, you you joined the army. Yeah, I did. I um, I did. I joined the army infantry. I um. Oh well, there was a few things that happened in between. I went to college for a bit uh-huh. in San Francisco and. I was going to, I went to Academy of Art University. I was going to be in film and, uh, uh, I just, um, I grew up in, in LA. I grew up very fast. Um, I didn't have much discipline. Um, my parents split up when I was very young. Uh, my mom, as you guys know, worked her ass off. And because of that, you know, um, I kind of had to take care of myself a lot. For instance, when she was writing Animaniacs and Tiny Toons, it was in a uh, office building that um, was right next to the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is actually where they filmed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I, so I would go to that movie theater and just watch movies, and they would let me in. I would hang out at the mall, and anyway, I, would, I just kind of grew up very fast. And because of that, I didn't have much discipline, and I kind of got into some trouble in my twenties, and. Uh, not in trouble with the law or anything. I just was, um, I got kind of, I hurt my knee. I got, I started taking painkillers and I just, I kind of was going down a bad road for a little bit and, um, had some money. So it made it easy. Uh, you know, had, uh, I was in the Hollywood scene with everybody with, you know, so it's just, um, it got hard there for a while. And so after several attempts to get better, I decided to, <laughs> take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and go to where the one place you can't quit. And uh, so that was Fort Benning, Georgia, the home of the infantry. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have army in my blood. Um, my grandfather, you know, I have history all the way down to the Civil War, people fighting. So um, 
I don't know. I just I went to Fort Benning, Georgia, and I took to it really well. Uh, I cleaned myself up and became an amazing soldier, and it's some of the best and worst times of my life. Uh, went to Afghanistan in 2009, 2010 um, for 13 months, uh, well, about, about a year. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much why I joined. I just needed a change, needed some discipline, and needed to figure myself out. <laughs> ah, yes. You made a, a, a film, a short film recently for ABC called uh, Laughter Under Fire. And in it's a it's a wonderful film. It's only about six minutes long. Yeah, it's like yeah. Um, but in this film, you talked about how one of the things that you brought or you really tried to to bring to Afghanistan was laughter. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, well, that's uh, I growing up in the Groundlings Theater. I grew up around. Lisa Kudrow and Conan O'Brien and Will Ferrell and Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig and every name you could possibly ever associate with comedy and just top top tier, funny, talented people. And I have never in my life laughed so hard at the things these army, these soldiers would say. Mm -hmm. They were the funniest people I'd ever met in my life. Did I know when I left that week for Afghanistan in July 2009 that I was taking laughter with me, that, that, that I was actively going to be, hey, I'm going to be humorous and we're going to get through this, guys, and it's going to be because of laughter. <laughs> no, it wasn't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't that. I wish that I, was, I had that peace of mind and that presence of mind to do that. What it was was more of an adaptation that us as a platoon had to go through in order to cope with what was going on around us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were tip of the spearhead, you know, very violent deployment. Um, it was just very violent. Lots of casualties on both ends. Um, and, in our, you know, if we hadn't found that way to remember what it's like to be human and to laugh, even when it's inappropriate and not judge one another for what we think is funny or anything in that matter. It just, you, the last thing you want to worry about when you're grieving or you're upset because of something you were forced to do. The last thing you want to worry about is what people think about you. And when you can laugh with people, you already know that they're family and you already know how they feel about you. So you're able to cry in front of them and let your guard down in front of them and be okay because it all comes from laughter in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because you're able to laugh with these people, you're able to cry in front of these people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It goes hand in hand. It's, it's, and they were just most irreverent offbeat. I mean, people are dying. If you can make someone laugh in the face of that much tragedy, it's just it's what you have to do, and it may sound horrible, like, but if unless you're there, you just would never understand why it's so important to laugh like that. But in my opinion, there's no greater medicine in the world. It truly, it's true. Laughter is the greatest medicine. Mm-hmm. I'd be nowhere without it. So, this is my family. There's Jordan Black. There's Mike Hitchcock and Tim Bagley. Steve Little. Here's my mom as a director. Groundlings Yearbook. 
Not a year has gone by, I haven't been here. Well, one year went by, I didn't come here. I joined the army for pure, purely selfish reasons. I needed a change. I brought along with me the one thing I knew. <laughs> Laughter. My, my boys were, were my were a company, and everybody else was my audience, you know? Wow. So, so you would actively make people laugh? Absolutely. That's awesome. All the time. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and it really is a, a, a great video. Um, oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, and, 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 you see some lightsaber battles? And... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we had lots of lightsaber battles. <laughs> we, we three are in, enormous Star Wars fans, we got to admit. You know, this is <laughs> so when I saw that appear in the video, I was like, oh, lightsabers, awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, we wore Jedi Knight um, patches underneath our regular patch on our arms. <laughs> Oh, cool! So, yeah, we had, we had we made Jedi Knight patches just to kind of be fun. <laughs> who is who is your favorite Jedi? My favorite Jedi. That's a good question. I guess I'd have to say Yoda. Yay! Yeah. That's a good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, Kelly is. Oh, you you hit on Kelly's other uh, obsession right there, which is Yoda. By the way. Yeah, her Twitter. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Her Twitter. Yoda's is... going to be in Battlefront too. Yes, Ooh. Kelly. Well, yeah, Kelly, I forgot to ask you, since he's going to be in Battlefront 2, does that mean, are you going to buy Battlefront 2 just for the chance to run around as Yoda? What what game system do I need to play that on? Uh, PS4 or Xbox? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't have any game systems. I gave them all away. They got Genesis, isn't that it? I- I have a game. I have a Game Boy. <laughs> no, it's not on Game Boy, unfortunately. <laughs> so you can Kelly... just download it directly to your Game Boy. It's got Wi-Fi, right? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is a green screen, right? So therefore, it would just go perfectly well with Yoda, right? So. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the 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 movie that that you made, how how did that come about? Anyway, I mean, did ABC approach you for that, or how how did that? Um. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, well, it's very organically, actually. Um, I was in a meeting with some friends of mine, Mary Jo and Andy um, Nicastro, and we were just, it was a meeting just, uh, we happened to be all at at the same time, and um, I had so much uh, since, and she had been working for ABC, and um, I basically was starting to getting, I started talking to other people about laughter and how I thought it helped me and everything. And, um, Mary Jo, uh, went to, um, her bosses over at ABC. She worked in the promotions department and she came up with this idea called home for the holidays, which would essentially highlight veteran filmmakers and, um, their ideas. And we would pick a handful of them, and we'd all get to make movies, and we'd get a budget and everything, and that was that was the idea. So, because the idea kind of came from me, uh, we uh, found um, three other veterans to make films, and um, we just all made films. They made um, the other guys made stories. I decided to make a documentary because I've had all this great Afghanistan footage. Um, but yeah, that's how it came about. It just kind of. Someone overheard my story and wanted to get it out there. Um, there's a lot more to be told, if I'm being honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Laughter Under Fire is meant to be a catalyst. Um, I had a son not fa- long after that happened, so mm-hmm. I kind of um, have been focusing on other things, and the entertainment industry is something that I will always come back to in a way, but it's not where my heart is, um, just because the 
money and everything. It's just very unforgiving. But that's a whole other interview. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so just um, it just came about very organically. I, I'm just like I said, I'm very fortunate to be a, uh, to know such amazing people. And and while I, while I think of this, if you don't mind, one of the reasons why I think I went into the military was because. And I, this is kind of just dawning on me, so if I'm wrong about this, that's fine. But um, uh, I was around all these talented, amazing people all the time, and I was handed all these amazing opportunities, cheers, animaniacs, Saturday Night Live, all these great things I was able to do. But none of it, like I said, I didn't earn any of it. You know, I just kind of – I mean, I was good at it and stuff, yeah, but, you know, they could have found a million kids good at acting. Mm. I, I got the jobs because I knew the right people, and – I think joining the army allowed me to go look at me. I can do this. I, I can do this. I can stand on my own two feet. And when I come back, I'll have done something that was all on my own. And anything that I do from there, I'm kind of doing it because I know Mary Jo or because I know people at ABC. At least I've done my part and I've stood on my own two feet. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I think, yeah. But anyway, Laughter Under Fire, yeah, it's um, it's meant to be a catalyst. I want to do an Under Fire series where we do poetry under fire and music under fire and just every kind of art form that veterans use to cope with the traumas and stuff that they went through. Oh, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, excellent idea. Um, yeah, we're working on it. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll stay tuned for that and uh, let our listeners know as things develop. Uh, but, it, of course, in the meantime, we'll make sure that the uh, – the the link to the video is is you know in our show notes and mm-hmm. so that everyone can check that out as well. It really is a remarkable uh, video just to kind of give a glimpse into uh, your background and also just uh, what life in Afghanistan was uh, for that year uh, and just it, it, it's just some funny stories. Just like the 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 whole idea you brought you brought this this character with you, uh, mm-hmm. was it this, uh-huh. the tiny? Was that the thing? Was that? Oh, itty bitty. Itty bitty. Itty bitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did a whole cribs episode. We just haven't edited it together. It's pretty, um, he talked like this and he's like, I, I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, like a very, like, like that's good. Yeah. Yeah. What's up guys? Like very, you know, mm-hmm. gangster, but whitewashed and very stupid. And um, <laughs> just very stupid. That was the idea. And yeah, it was just to make my buddies laugh. And, um, the humor, we did some videos out there with him. But I couldn't put him on ABC because the humor was raw, man. <laughs> <laughs> you get guys out there in Afghanistan for like that long a time. That humor is dark. <laughs> <laughs> it does not play well over here. <laughs> no. Yeah, I remember when I was making Laughter Under Fire, I showed some of it to some of the executives at ABC, Uh uh, some of the raw footage and stuff, and I got actually yelled at by someone, um, a friend of mine. They were like, what the hell were you thinking showing these people this? Like, do you understand? They think you're like the worst person right now. (laughs) It flew over. I was able to explain myself, but, you know, it was pretty funny. But yeah, there's a lot of, I have a lot of footage, like 80, 80 plus hours of footage that I could go through. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Well, um, we're going to start wrapping things up, but Nathan, Kelly, I want to make sure I give you guys a chance to have any additional questions, things like that for Colin. Are you going to have your son be the next Colin, do you think? 
like a couple of years. Oh, that would be so brilliant. <laughs> That's a great, great idea, actually. <laughs> if I could just sum to it without him ever knowing that he is famous at all, like, or yeah, has anything to do with entertainment, like, if I could just record him. Yeah, just yeah, a little tape recorder, get your phone out or something. Just... Yeah, totally. <laughs> Tell me a funny yeah. story, kid. <laughs> he actually has the perfect voice for it. He's only three right now, but he drops his R's. He's like, right heel. I see your right That'd heel. Be great, yeah. So it's really it's got like the perfect voice right now. <laughs> it's a good idea. We all look into that. <laughs> Get some some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm making money off this kid, right? It's a... <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, come on, almost. We've gotta been doing earn... nepotism my whole life. It's not not stop now. Yeah, he's got to <laughs> earn his keep. So. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing better than being a dad. Do you guys have kids? Anybody? No, we're all childless over here. Yeah, we're all just a bunch of childs oh. ourselves. <laughs> I, I have a puppy. <laughs> yes. I that counts. That counts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have dogs and cats. That's our that's our closest thing to kids. Yeah. My mom created Rita and Runt. Oh, yes. Right? Yeah. Indian Buttons. Uh, all those characters. Like, I... I, I She's weird about doing interviews, but next time I'm going to get her. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to make an appointment to talk more about the how the formation of those characters came because yeah, because obviously you guys got me. I want to learn more. Like I need to learn more of this stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're Someone going to the Doctor Auto reference on me the other day, and it went right over my head, and I felt so stupid. <laughs> <sighs> Well, I don't know if you're going to the right place if you want to learn stuff, but we're we'll, we try, we try. <laughs> you are not the most educational. Nathan will be uh, moving out to the L.A. area within the next month or so, so maybe we yeah. can get like an on-the-spot reporting. Yeah, we're going to put Nathan. Right. We're going to put Nathan to work out there. That would be really well, great. We're, on the street. Um, and Saturday, I don't know if you guys could put this on if not that's fine but saturday i'm actually going to be at this event in santa Ana at the it's, it's this place called evergreen um wellness center and it's uh it's called a no veteran left behind event and what it is is it's essentially we're trying to educate veterans about the benefits of cannabis use oh. and um so it's it's changed my life i use it topically on my back and on my my knee where i've had surgeries and uh, so I work for this company. We're just trying to get veterans to be more educated and more open to it. So this Saturday, we're having a huge event. Going to be helping a lot of veterans out. It's going to be a big, big, good deal. Um, so people can hit me up on on my Instagram, I guess. Yes. I'll get that to you guys. Well, this episode comes out uh, Saturday. So if you're, we'll yeah. be putting out early Saturday morning. So hopefully, if, if uh, listeners, if you're in the L.A. area... And uh, you want to, uh, you, you know, hit up Colin on on Instagram or what have you? Uh, how? Let's go and get right to that, Colin. How can people get in contact with you uh, online if they'd like to say hi, get more information? Um, yeah, they can go to at veterans underscore walk underscore and underscore talk. So it's at veterans walk and talk with underscores between all the words. And essentially, it's just. And we're like, I'm just trying to start an organization where we, as veterans, we just go up in the mountains, we take hikes, and we just talk about anything and everything, because I really feel like the first step is just breaking down that first wall, and once that can be done, and an open dialogue can start, we can really start to help a lot of people who need it. So that's what I, that's what I do. So at Veterans Walk and Talk, underscores between, between every word. 
and that's me on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, you know, thank you so much, Colin, for for being on. Uh, we'd love to have you on again someday to mm-hmm. to discuss Anytime. some more about Animaniacs. And I, it, it, I think it, you know, sometimes people, you know, you know, just think this goes without saying. But really, honestly, thank you so much for your service to our country. We really do appreciate thank it. You. I appreciate that. I appreciate your support and honestly, like the support and love you have for Animaniacs is so great. Uh, it was made with love and. For our next interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn a lot more about my time there. I'm gonna ask my mom, tell me some stories and stuff. Oh, fantastic. Stuff. We'll go find some, uh, look for some old photo albums and things like that. Yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, I, <laughs> I was blown up a couple times. I'm lucky I remember anything. <laughs> That's true. It's okay to laugh when a veteran says that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried. Yeah. <laughs> well. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. It's an absolute honor, and you guys are absolutely wonderful and i i can't i'll do it again anytime excellent well thank you so much thank you thank you guys thank you This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. Okay, bye. This is uh, Frank. I'm uh, here interviewing people about the lovely people over at tpublic.com who are our sponsors for today's show. Excuse me, sir. Yeah? Can you come here? Yeah. What's that? Well, I was wondering if you, sir, liked T-shirts. Like them? I love T-shirts. I wear a T-shirt every day. Well, I see. Whoa, watch out for the traffic. Jeez, it's crazy out here. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I was wondering, uh, did you know that T Public is a great place to go for independent artist designs? No, I did not. And did you know that by going to T Public uh, and uh, seeing all those uh, different shirts, you are not only getting an awesome shirt, but you are helping sponsor uh, various independent artists around the world? No, I did not. And did you also not know that if you went to tpublic.animaniacast.com, you could see a selection of Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain, Tiny Toons, Freakazoid, Spielberg, and various other designs selected by the hosts of the Animaniacast? No, I... Well, actually, yeah, I did know that. Oh. Well, yeah, so anyway... Head on over to tpublic.animaniacast.com. I already did. Look at this awesome shirt I'm wearing. Wow, it's the Animaniacast logo. Yep, and there's a bunch of other ones up there, too. So head on over to tpublic.animaniacast.com.